You're listening to the Teletext R Podcast, the internet's best and only podcast about CFAX, Prestel, Videotext, Televideo, and all things Teletext. Good evening, and welcome to The One Show. We are the Teletext R podcast crew, and we've hijacked this show for one night only. And tonight, we have a special guest, known in some circles as Peter Kwan, the fantastic engineer that has created the successor to CFAX, TFAX. Peter, if I was to log on to TFAX, what would I see? Um, for live information that's up to date, you can get news pages, you can get several pages of weather. They're very creative the way they use the restrictions of seven colours and you can see everything's blocky and jaggy, but yeah. that is what attracts the artist to the medium. So what's the reason behind Peter's passion for this otherwise outdated technology? Well, they look at it like steam engines. There's no reason have a steam engine anymore but you go up and down the country and there they are chug, chugging up and down little preserved lines mm. so we've um, preserved some of the technology for the future so yes ladies and gentlemen teletext for one night only has made a triumphant return to its home the bbc the january 30th 2020 edition of the one show featured a segment on CFAX, and of course, its successor TFAX, including contributions from Teletext legends Peter Kwan and a certain fellow who's also been on this show before, Mort Smith. The five minute feature, hosted by CFAX's here presenter Angela Rippon, was recorded at the Montacute Museum of Retro Delights in Somerset, and it proves the perfect host for a gallery of teletext art from Horsenberger, Max Capacity, and Andy Uglyfruit, to name but a few. There's also a mention for the mythical CFAX holidays. My sister, she used to watch CFAX for holidays, and she used to get regular holidays, used to have a bag packed and everything. And even more intriguingly, Bamboozle. However, there is no comment on Bamboozler's recent big money move to TFAX and Teletext Limited's hefty sell-on clause. Did you hear about that, Carl? The fact that Bamboozler is on TFAX now? So we managed to get the contract sorted. Did we take out all the um, orange M&Ms out of the bowl? Yeah, basically. Did you see this clip, Mr. Carl? I did. I actually went on the iPlayer and watched it. And I thought, well, there's not a lot going on here. Then I realised I accidentally navigated to the episode from the day before. <laughs> so when I actually did actually get there, I watched a bit and I was really pleased for Peter to get his feature on the one show. And I was really pleased that Angela Rippon came back from doing the very first promo one all those years ago to redo it. And I think she sort of enjoyed it as well. 
she didn't look like she was just busking a performance. It was nice that um, it was her to come back. And Peter, obviously, he was absolutely brilliant and explained it very well in the limited time that he had. I'd imagine he was there all morning doing everything. And I know that he tweeted a picture of a very rare limited edition of uh, Angela Rippon's teletext art as well. Oh, um, yes. He tw- tweeted a picture of that. So that's famous. She's probably signed that. <laughs> so he's got it on the wall somewhere, <laughs> I, I hope. Tell the text art of the rich and famous. And yes, Angela Rippon has gone on record to say that she really enjoys or used to enjoy teletext. So the perfect host, I think, for a CFAX segment. Now, this particular segment was originally aired on the 30th of January. And this was supposed to coincide with the red button switch off. However, it was given a stay of execution. And... It, it kind of wasn't relevant anymore, was it, to current things? <laughs> they held off the broadcast of this episode from mid-December, I think. It was recorded, mm, yeah. certainly recorded, think- over a month prior. A general election got in the way because um, I was asked by Peter to uh, resubmit some Count Binface material, which is a slightly different story, but that's our favourite political world leader who actually wants to bring back CFAX on one of his uh, election pledges and manifesto. So that was actually going to go in for the first airing of that. So that's when I knew it was going to be done. But I think it was probably then moved because of the election to the red button switch off. And yeah, it ended up getting aired in February. I see. It was recorded around about the time of the election, you say? I I spoke to Peter and he was interested in using some of the Count Binface stuff um, at at the time. So I think at one point it was mooted it was going to go out sooner because um, Peter put together a carousel of art that could be viewed so that it gave it gave a really good showcase of the artists that are out there. I think that was the plan. But it was good, actually, because when I watched it, I saw lots of artwork from new adopters. Yes. I was looking out for my own work, obviously, because I'm a narcissist. But I was very pleased to see uh, Nikki and Bunty getting a piece up there, and she was very pleased. She took a, a screen grab of that and, and posted that to her Twitter feed, and uh, she became very famous. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. there are so many great teletext artists that were actually featured in that carousel, and not all of them could be shown in the end. Now, actually, without wanting to take the praise away from Peter, it was me that put that carousel together. So anybody who uh, yeah. didn't anybody who didn't appear on the show, you can come to me and blame me for not making well, your artwork prominent enough. Yeah, I was happy enough because I got my menu screen up. Yeah, uh, and, and no one, and no one's changed that yet, and it says Carlos Art in there, so that's fine. I'm quite pleased. Of course, yes. Wasn't that the first ever TFAX page as well? The one that you was. made, the index page. Yes, yes, it was. It was. Um, we only stuck it up as a placeholder, and the story of TFAX actually being named TFAX was because the information was available on Peter's page, and he called it T Stop because it was something to do with his cycling as well. And it was a sub-page of that. So I just said T-Fax because of T-Stop. And then in a C-Fax is C-double-E. So we just put the T in there and made it T-Fax. And it was just a working title. But I think it just stayed as it was. So that's the story on, on how T-Fax got its name. It just fit nicely. I could doctor the CFAX graphics quite nicely and change the colour scheme. <laughs> and you notice the three um, colour blocks, the red, green, blue, 
well, that was where BBC would have been. But yeah, it just went to that. There's one thing I noticed on the um, broadcast, though. I, I wasn't sure when I was watching it back. I thought that the uh, BBC news, I thought the B, B and C graphic had been altered. So it was obscured or, or wasn't showing BBC anymore. And I was just wondering if that was really because um, the BBC didn't want to be associated with that particular news item because it was re-syndicated. That is interesting, because I believe they are pulled from the BBC website, aren't they? Yes, the re-syndication does involve some work from outside parties, doesn't it? So, it kind of falls into a grey area. With the TFX show, you know, there's there's huge anticipation amongst all the um, teletext alumni that are on Twitter, and it was just really good there when it came out. It's almost well, it has bettered the and finally on the news at ten when TFX got featured then as well. I think it's now become a regular stalwart for anybody who wants to run a teletext story. I think um, hopefully these guys are in the uh, in in the black book. There's one other person as well, actually, that uh, made it onto a BBC outlet as well. Oh yes. Um, yes. Um, I think uh, honourable mention will have to go to uh, Jason Grim Fandango, who got on a Six Musings at the end of last year on Lauren Laverne's Six Music show, and he's really turning out to be a really good TV personality as well. He comes across so well over over the radio, and I think Lauren Laverne would have took him out for dinner because uh, he was so oh. slick on the radio. She decreed that he was her sort of guy, you know, <laughs> and exactly <laughs> and and perfectly epitomised the six music community. Yeah, well done him on that. It's like teletext dating. Yeah, yeah. Do you have the um the clip for the six music at all anywhere? I do indeed. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, the reason it's not here is because a lot of music is played over. In fact, music is played over the entirety of the time that Jason is talking, I do believe. But for everybody else, here is the clip. BBC, please don't sue us for playing it. Cheers. And right now, we've got six musings. In case you don't know, it's the place where we speak to some of our favourite people in popular culture and ask them for a few nuggets of wisdom. And all I'm going to tell you about today's guest, Jason Robertson, is that he's a teletext archaeologist. Six. Six musings. Hi, Lauren. I'm Jason Robertson, the teletext archaeologist, and here are my six musings. Teletext was a forerunner to the web that we have today. It was basically an electronic newspaper that you accessed by pointing your TV remote control at the TV, dialing in three numbers, which was a page number, and up would pop a page of information. You could book holidays with it, you could view football scores with it, you had very clear text, lovely blocky graphics, and an amazing eight colours to choose from. I became a Teletext archaeologist in 2010, shortly before Teletext was turned off, I thought I'd better save some for posterity. But shortly after that, it became possible to recover Teletext from any old domestic videotape, which can only be described as witchcraft. Teletext looks like a supermarket barcode, and it was broadcast along with the normal TV picture, but TVs were set up so that you couldn't actually see all these flashing dots. 
but the recovery process will record these flashing dots at the top into a computer and with that data we can recreate what the page originally looked like. There were online chat services on Teletext too, I mean because the recovery process recovers everything, you can actually watch people typing in messages you know, via the keypads on their landline phones and out come the words on Teletext that anybody can read. And one of the rumoured things that used to happen in the early days of Teletext is that CFAX's first editor, Colin McIntyre, had a secret page apparently where he used to tell his wife what time he would be home. So to find that would be quite something. I mean, maybe you can help to find this and other lost items. If you have really old videotapes, then more than likely the Teletext is recoverable. Um, to get in touch, or to see lots of examples of old Teletext, you can go on the web to teletextarchaeologist.org or you can get me on Twitter with the handle at Grim underscore Fandango. And that is my favourite thing that we've done so far. At Grim underscore Fandango. The Teletext Archaeologist. So, Carl, do you think, on the basis of the CFAX and TFAX section on the one show, there is scope to bring back a special Pages from CFAX broadcast to the BBC, just as a little bit of a nostalgic thing. I do note that 50 years of teletext is coming up quite soon, maybe in a few years, so maybe mm. that would be the perfect time to, well, not only do a special documentary on CFAX or teletext, but to accompany that, maybe do a 20 minute to half an hour show where people from the Teletext community write little news stories, or maybe people from the BBC write little news stories, and then we put them up into Teletext pages, put them on TFAX, shove some art in there, and say, hey, this is the return of pages from TFAX. Yeah, no, a very good idea. If they're not going to do it for the 50th, then when will they do it? So yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And also, we need to get in there first before Channel 5 do. Do you remember Teletext? And they just will some personality out in front of a one-shot camera who <laughs> says, oh, I always remember the bit, and then actually explain the very exact bit of footage that comes up that, 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 that they're talking about, <laughs> as if they vividly remember it themselves. But they were obviously too young to, to even know what a remote control did. So, uh, yeah, we need to get in there first and do that. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure BBC3 would be interested in some web content or something like that that we could do at the very worst. We could start a movement for that. Yes. Hashtag Teletext 50 could be something that we could start. 50, yes. Yeah. Yes. Hashtag Teletext 50. You like that, Dan? You like that a lot? Yeah. 1974, was CFAX launched? Or was it 73? In any case, we've got a few years to get that campaign on the road. Mm, 2023, we've got to be, uh, we've got to have something in the can for 2023. But did did ITV launch first? I can't remember. I think that's an obscure fact, isn't it? We do some fact checking there. Maybe someone could tweet into the show and let us know. That's at Teletextar or at Eliterate or at yep. that other car. We'd love to know. <laughs> Eliterate, I double L A R T E R A T E. Yeah, on Twitter. Eliterate. Eliterate. It's like. Yeah, see, I do the E at the end. Eliterate. Rate. Eliterate. Eliterate. Yeah, some people have pronounced it Eliterate. As if it's some sort mm. of rating service, but that's valid too. It's supposed to be a lotterate, but you can pronounce it any way you want, like I I lotterate or something. Anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> 
So, yeah, Teletext 50, oh. let's get that going. That would be wonderful if we can gain some traction for that. And maybe lobby the BBC to do a little documentary, and we can get involved with that somehow. They can get Mort Smith to come in and talk a bit more, and some of the other people like Ian Irving, all the old mm -hmm. CFACs yep. and Channel 4 people, Mr. Biffo, maybe. Yes. Incidentally, all these people you may hear in the future on the Teletext R podcast. Shh, but keep that quiet. Keep that under your hat. Keep it to yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Shh, shh. Yeah. Secret. Yes, like keeping the red button service going is a secret. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Welcome, this is uh, Clive Sinclair. Uh, the Teletext brand obviously was made by those evil bastards at Acorn. Um, who can't even answer a bloody telephone. Uh, if it's a Sinclair brand, it'd be very elegant and it'd have more than the uh, set amount of characters per screen. It would be a lot cheaper and it would be uh, available to everybody in the street, including the man on the Clapham Omnibus. So welcome to Teletext Star. Clapham Omnibus? What are you talking about, you, you muppet? I'm Alan Sugar. I invented the Amstrad CPC, and you could have teletext on the Amstrad CPC. What could you have on your computer, eh? Well, I'll have Jet Set friggin' Willy for a start, and then you'll have it on your stupid Amstrad email or phone, no doubt. Now get out of my way. Where's no. that Chris Curry? No, you're fired! In Teletext News this episode, Mr. Peter Kwan has been very, very busy of late. He's been featuring in many news articles, including one for the Daily Mail and one for the Independent. Peter is very much flavour of the month again, as happens every now and again. TFAX comes into public consciousness. It's strange. It's like a little cycle whereby every year or two, some new people find TFACs. It's brilliant. We've taken a look through these articles, haven't we, Carl? What do we think? Well, the Daily Mail Online has uh, reported it as software engineer was so disappointed when the BBC got rid of CFACs that he created his own teletext system, which is run by enthusiasts and enjoyed by nostalgic fans from all over the country. So they've really put it in as like, this man was so pissed off that he took it all into his own hands and brought back the whole CFAC service which we know he has, but it's just really good the way that the mainstream has, has done it. Like, um, man was so annoyed that his bins weren't being collected that he bought his own bin lorry and collected them for the whole street. But it's good to see those sorts of articles, isn't it? I don't actually think that Peter, if you asked him, would say that he was so disappointed. <laughs> I think he would have said he was a bit disappointed, but the headline makes it sound like he was breaking down in tears. To be fair... Honestly, for some of us, including this guy sitting here, it it was a little bit like that. <laughs> but um, mm. it's interesting that they've gone for the dramatic angle on this. Actually, it's a fairly good write-up, I would say. There's nothing insidious in there that would say, oh, these people, they're absolute nerds, like certain other articles did in the past. I think in 2015... Mm. 
there was an article that was syndicated and it said something like, these teletext boffins have brought back CFAX. And I thought it was great because I've never been called a boffin in my life. It's brilliant. And it, it also raises questions about this word boffin. Does anybody actually use the word boffin outside of the print media? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to, it's the, it's the rule that you can't use the same word twice in a paragraph. So, like, um, if you've got nerds, uh, it has to go to boffins. You can't repeat the same word twice. So, boffins really useful for that sort of thing. You know, it's sort of like if they do climate change. You know, they'll speak to the scientists and they go, they can't say scientists again, so they go, oh, and one boffin reports. <laughs> you know, if they're trying to figure something out. But boffins a great word. My first encounter with boffin, I think, was a BBC B computer game. That's where I got the word boffin from. And Patrick Moore was always a boffin, wasn't he? Hello, this is Patrick Moore, and you're listening to the Teletext R podcast. Yes, I would say that the people who create this Teletext podcast are certainly boffins. Yes. Mm, yes. Mm, quite. Mm. Yes, I, I, I can say that to my jolly big eye uh, <laughs> when you come up and keep asking me questions about pointless games. Go, go away and buy a decent bloody console. You don't know how to complete Sonic on the Mega Drive? How foolish of you, son! So yes, the word buffin is just a great sounding word, isn't it? It sounds a little bit like puffin. Well, when I think of puffins, I always think of Bjork for some reason, Dan. I think it's because she's Icelandic and they eat puffins out there. Yes, allegedly puffins taste absolutely great. That's what Stephen Fry said. But uh, didn't Bjork dress up as a puffin one time? Is that why you're thinking about it? I can't remember her dressing up as a puffin. I'll have to do an internet search on that when the, when the show's finished, Dan. But I don't know. Maybe that's when she sung with the sugar cubes. This wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe it was about dressing up as a puffin. Could have been that concert that she also dressed up as a CFAX holidays page. Yeah, that first cover of our episode, yeah. Yeah, so speaking of Stephen Fry, then, the QILs come up and tweeted uh, recently that, what is it, magenta's not really a colour? Yes, apparently, according to QI, magenta is a figment, or should that be a pigment, <laughs> of your imagination. <laughs> it's just a figment of your imagination. It doesn't exist in the normal spectrum of colour. It's just an invented colour for the purposes of printing, or for the purposes of human endeavour, shall we say. Nobody's telling me that magenta is not an acceptable CFAX colour. It's always a colour in my eyes. Unless we start releasing some slides where we take the magenta out, some classic ones, but that could cause a problem for your artwork with your classic Battenberg cake designs, Dan. There you lose after screen. Magenta's your favourite. Yes, which is why I've hardly ever used it. I should use magenta more. I should use magenta and cyan together for wonderful eye clash. There's a, there's a fairly famous artwork of Rick Astley that somebody has done. I think his name is Ryo Ikishiro. He entered that for the 2015 Teletext Art Festival. And it's a flashing picture of Rick Astley. You've been Rickrolled. Oh, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Put that in the old notes and and get that up. Maybe do an inset on the next magazine cover for that. 
Ah, that, that's really good. So the Mail reports the Peter Kwan story. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, the, the, the writing's very good on it. It's very concise. If you knew nothing about the Teletext service at the beginning of the article, you'd know more about it by the end. It's just the right length. It's very factual as well. Have you looked at the independent one, Dan? Yes, yeah. What are your thoughts on that one compared to the uh, Daily Mail with the same subject? Do you see that there's a slightly... I don't know that there's more of an agenda there to try and catch poor Peter out on, on using re-syndicated CFAX news. I should hope not, but one thing I would say about the Independent article, it was a little bit more plain in flavour than the male one. However, I thought it was okay. I don't think there was anything too shocking in there. So tell me more about the agenda, <laughs> this theory that you have. Um, just as on the first impression, first of all, when I scrolled down, I saw the TFAX BBS page, which was uh, one that I put on the system. I don't think anyone uses the TFAX BBS page, but it's a nice graphic. I use but, it. Um, I use it. Of, do you? Excellent. Yes. I'll have to go back up there and check. That's on my list of things to do um, after the recording. Now, the fact that I used a Mario on there, I was expecting the big end to come around and do a cease and desist on TFAX straight away for that. So I think I probably got a little bit overly worried. And just reading back, I just think that there was, um, for such a short article, I just thought that there was two or three quotes from Peter that were used where it was just along the lines of he was he was obviously asked a lot about using content. Just I just got that impression about it. But I'm sure if I read it back now, it, it, it won't mean the same. But it's just funny that I preferred the Mail Online read-up for someone who's uninitiated as opposed to the independent pump, which uh, sort of shocked me because um, I tend to probably trust the independent more for um, reporting the whole picture. So there you go. But any news is good publicity. What I'd like to do is uh, contact community teletext hero Alistair Cray and find out what the metrics are on the pull requests on his uh, server for TFAX since these shows come in. So watch this space or listen to this space on that one. That'd be interesting to find out what's happening with this, like you say, this latest re-reporting of the um, Teletext phenomena. It is a re-reporting because sometimes it's interesting to see that the news outlets have a new angle on TFAX. But like I mentioned earlier, it's more a case of new reporters finding this and saying, wow, is this a new thing? When it's actually been out a few years. And there's absolutely... Nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Yeah, as you say, any publicity is great. It brings new people, a new generation, I guess, to TFAX every time it's reported. TFAX is growing every month. We've got more and more articles and more and more artwork. So, yeah, why not get more people in, more people contributing? But going back to the independent article... Maybe there is an underlying agenda there with regards to maybe appropriating content. Or maybe it's making more of a point that CFAX could still be around very easily if someone like Peter has coded a little thing where it grabs the first two paragraphs from a BBC News article. Then maybe it would be much easier than we think to bring something like CFAX back publicly. If we look and see what's happening with the red button... Those articles, I don't know if they're edited for brevity, but they're roughly the same as the first two paragraphs in the equivalent articles on the BBC News website, the longer ones. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, it's an excellent point. Actually, now it's surmised that way, the independent piece could actually be the argument that we've touched upon before in previous recording. This guy has managed to do work that the BBC can no longer afford to do, and he's still managing to have a life and walk a dog. So I'm going to now change my opinion on that and actually say, yeah, well done. Hats off to the independent for that. <laughs> yeah, that is a really good way of looking into it. If we think about other teletext services that are still going around the world, we know that Odd Text have their own little studio with a number of employees. And we know that there is a similar sort of setup with a smaller amount of employees at YLE Text in Finland. If we go back to something that we were talking about in the last episode, which was the BBC Red Button, then perhaps it takes more manpower than we thought to keep these services going. And, and they're paid a million pound each as well, because it's £38 million to run. <laughs> we'll have to get an official quote on that from the BBC, won't we? We'll have to interview David Silito or whoever <laughs> and see if we can get the official word on how many people work for the BBC Red Button Teletext service still. We'll keep our sights high on who we want to interview. We've got a few guests in a pipeline that, that have said that they're happy to come on. When the time's right, maybe we can add David Silito to our list of illustrious guests that are going to be joining us in future episodes. Yes, maybe we could. Like you said, we've got to aim high. So you never know. We do have some illustrious guests lined up for the future here on Teletext R already. So you never know. Hello, CFAX Research. Ah, oh, Mr. Johnson, thank you very much indeed for phoning. Um, can I first of all tell you... Uh, what Unlike the sub-editors um, who spend the working day assembling and then updating and revising the news pages for immediate transmission, the researcher's role includes exploring possible new areas into which a permanent CFAX service might expand. Well, we can carry about 24 lines on the average page, and this would mean, I should say, about four items of different information. Linda Alexander and her colleagues have discovered already that the electronic page of about 100 words readily lends itself to the kind of straightforward information which is of direct benefit to viewers and their families. Uh, so, Dan, we've got a little bit of feedback coming in as we're recording. The uh, podcast has been up for a few days. We're getting a few really good things back. Rusty Russ absolutely loves the show. Brilliant. Thanks for coming back and letting us know on that, Russ. Nathan's come back about the piece that we uh, recorded on his um, InVision decoder, and he's reporting now that the PCBs have been shipped, so he'll be testing one out in the next few weeks. So Excellent. hopefully they'll be ready and available. Excellent. Also, I'd like to give an honourable mention to Leela Johnson at Final Bullet. She's the lovely voice that you hear reading out our teletext facts, so I'd like to um, give a big mention to her because I neglected to mention that she was um, who was voicing those comments up in the last one. So sorry, Leela. And she's done a brilliant podcast in the past called Shift Run Stop. She was also the ringmaster of Hack Circus. Uh, so, Hack yeah, Circus. Yeah, that's all right. Sorry, <laughs> and, go on. Uh, so yeah, that, yeah. So sorry, Leela. Hopefully, we will make that better. But she's good about it, Dan. So that's fine. We've had some positive feedback on Twitter. We had a comment from Wayne Dearden, who's a long-time listener of the show. Hi, Wayne. He says, 
Woot! Drive to work sorted in response to the last episode of the Teletext R podcast. What he used to do actually was record the episodes on tape cassette so he could listen to them in his car. I said to him, thankfully this one will fit on a 60 minute cassette. But he says, since then, he's upgraded his system and he has unlimited data on his phone. So that means we can make these episodes as long as we like. <laughs> All right, that's good. Uh, yeah, so if anybody else wants to come back in the feed into the show, we'll always be happy to follow stuff up and try and answer any questions or anything anyone's got. No one's challenged me yet on the amount of Commodore 64s versus the amount of pies sold. It is a fact that I've picked up on, but was the person who gave me that fact indeed having a false memory, which she'll find in future episodes. Yes, and that is another teaser for a future episode. (laughs) Maybe. You'll have to see. Yeah, no. Yes, you'll have to wait and see, team. So if you would like to get in touch with the Teletext Star podcast, we have a Twitter account which is at Teletext R, all one word. And you can contact myself and Carl as well. Carl, what is your Twitter handle? I am at that other Carl with an underscore between the that and the other and the Carl. Yeah, so it's two underscores, not three. Yes, and my Twitter account is at Illartrate, I-double-L-A-R-T-E-R-A-T-E. As we have established in previous shows, it goes very well to music. <laughs> I double L A R T E R A Z E. It sounds a bit like yeah. It's like a like a Red Indian call thing, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah, but actually, we've had a cease and desist order from the Clash, who said it sounded like Should I stay or should I go? Oh, that's brilliant. Darling, you've got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? You've got to let me know. Is it lottery or (laughs) literature? Is it cyan or is it cayenne? The age-old question. Is it cyan or cayenne? Is that your final answer? Dun-dun-dun. Cayenara. (laughs) Kayanara, yes. Brilliant. And don't forget, guys, we've still got those events coming up. So we've got the block party coming up in Cheltenham, and we've got the Chunky Fringe and the Digitizer show coming up in Harrow later on in the year in July. So keep an eye out for them, and the uh, links are in the program notes. Dan, do you actually like teletext? Why... Nobody's ever asked me that, but yes, I do. Do you like Facebook? Well, nobody's ever asked me that, but no. I mean, yes, I do. Well, why not join the uh, Teletext Facebook group, Dan? If you're not already a member, why don't you go down and visit? Yes, as it happens, I'm already a member. (laughs) Isn't that convenient? I'm already a member. But if you... Yes, you out there in Teletext land want to become a member. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's easier than accessing CFAX holidays. All you need to do is visit facebook.com slash groups slash Facebook group and click join. If you're a real person and not a robot, 
we will approve your application post-haste, and that's it. You'll have access to all the wonderful stuff the group has to offer. Like what, Carl? Like various teletext content from all over the world, recovered pages, news, artwork, and general help that we can give. If people are using the editors, we're always happy to help out. And uh, some great sources of new teletext content as well. So yeah, get on down there. And Dan, I'm pleased that we found a solution to your teletext and your Facebook needs. Oh, finally! Thank you! I've been looking for years. And now, on the phone, I have Carlos, my partner in Teletext Crime. Hello, and thank you for phoning into the show, Carl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. First time um, commenter. As I was saying to your researcher earlier, um, I've really liked Teletext, and um, I, it's, it's really good to have a Teletext show. Yes, yes. Well, Carl has phoned in to say that you can phone in to the Teletext R podcast. Yes, just get in touch with us and we can organize a time and date that we can either pre-record or do something live for the Teletext R podcast. And you too can be like Carl, phoning in. Excellent. When's my pizza going to turn up? What is this? Some sort of prank phone call? <laughs> this I, will get them. <laughs> yeah, that'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? Have you have you phoned yeah. in to get your CFAX holiday? Yeah, so I'm is that the CFAX holidays department, but I've ordered a holiday to a country that no longer exists and I want to know <laughs> when's the flight leaving for it. <laughs> well, my dad loved the music on CFAX. He even used to record it on a little tape recorder so he could listen to it in his car. Alan Stringer, Milton Keynes. That's a great idea, yes, and one that I'll surely emulate one day when I have a car that I've bought from CFAX in 1998. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Today Text Art Podcast. All copyrights are actually respected and reserved. You'll see all the program notes on page 199. Uh, if you can join us again, that'd be great. If you want to contact us at any time at all, you can get us on our respective Twitter handles or at Teletextar. So you can go for at Teletextar or that other Carl, that's that and the other with underscores between that and the other. Or you can get down at Illiterate, which is I double L A R T E R A T E, and that is what you do. Excellent, thank you very much. And now, <clears throat> where are we going on a CFAX holiday? We're all going on a CFAX holiday. No red button for a year or two. Lots of CFAX and uh, lots of hacking. Lots of artwork and six sales too. You can join us too. We're going where the CRT shines brightly. <laughs> we're going where the, the, where the magenta is blue. Yeah, we, magenta. We're, going, we're, we're going where the cyan, the cyan is blue. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
And so concludes another episode of the Teletext R podcast. Join us again next time for a fantastic mix of Teletext news and conversation. As for topics, we shall reveal them in due time. So hold on, because we'll be back sooner than you think. Kayanara.